Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage, Chapter 17, Mr. Jesse's Final Contribution. Thus sat on the church steps dangling a toy mouse in front of his cat. From beyond the church door, a weak voice followed, a plink, plink piano tune, like a tired dog trailing a rabbit. Lots of kids come to the church for Miss Curie's music lessons. Happily, I'm not one of them. Hey, Thess, I said. How's the weather? Hot, he said. Thunderstorms tonight. Hurricane Amy's turned in the Atlantic. She's going to miss us. Great, I said, settling in beside him. Any word on Mr. Jesse? Nothing much, except it turns out Daddy hadn't deposited Mr. Jesse's last $100 bill after all. He thought he had, but he found his bank bag under his front seat this morning with Mr. Jesse's cash in it. A clue. We'd like to have a look at, take a look at it, I said. Can't, he said, as Spit sleeped for the mouse. Daddy gave her to Joe's star. He reached into his pocket. I thought you might want this, though, he said. He handed me a wrinkled photocopy of the $100 bill, including its serial number. Thanks, I said. We've been hoping for a break like this. I slid the photocopy into my pocket, trying to look like I knew what to do with it. As long as we're here, I said, I thought I might look around the sanctuary, see if I overlooked anything Sunday. He shrugged. Okay, he said. Hey, Dale, watch this. Spitz pounced, and Thess and Dale both laughed as Spitz grabbed the toy and rolled across the porch. As I reached the top of the church steps, the door flew open. Miss Curie swept past, hugging an armload of music. Hey, I said. Hello, Mo, she murmured, and hurried by, humming. I heard the voice when I cracked open the door, a harsh voice, high-pitched and demanding from the front of the dim church. Was that the best you can do? I'm sorry, Mother, a girl replied. The voice sounded familiar, like someone I knew talking through Jello. I just don't have a good voice. Everyone in our family sings, the woman said. You have the talent. You just need to apply yourself. Practice. I do practice. Stand up straight when you sing. Look like you have some confidence. But, but I don't, the girl wailed. Then find some, the woman snapped. Your father and I aren't paying for these lessons because we're tired of looking at the money. That did it. Nobody talks to a kid like that. Not when I'm around. I swung the door open and stepped into the dim sanctuary. I don't think you ought to talk to a kid that way, I said, my voice echoing. My eyes adjusted to the light. If I could have unopened that door, I would have. Oh, hey, Anna Celeste. Attila looked away, and my eyes traveled to Mrs. Simpson, hard-eyed, unsmiling. Beige Mrs. Simpson. Oh, Mrs. Simpson said. It's the girl from the cafe. The girl from the cafe? She knows my name. My heart pounded like a crackhead chimpanzee with a bongo. For a brief moment, my anger outweighed my hatred of Anna Celeste. I took a deep breath. I didn't know you took voice, Anna, I said. That explains a lot. Mrs. Simpson's eyebrows arched. Really? Sure, I said. Anna Celeste has the best girl's voice in our class. It was truish, sort of. We all sing like bullfrogs. I bet you're proud to have her in your family, Mrs. Sampson. You should be. Mrs. Simpson, she snarled, and Attila almost smiled. Right, sorry. I glanced around the church. It had been tidied, vacuumed, and polished since Mr. Jesse's funeral. Any clues were long gone. See you around, Anna, I said as the door swished shut behind me. I filled Dale in as we walked to the cafe, sweat trickling down my back. Mrs. Simpson would make a terrible mother-in-law, he said, looking worried. I snorted. Not that it will ever matter to you. Anna Celeste will forget your name the instant your fame wears off. Maybe. We walked in silence, the heat rising like ghosts along the blacktop. You think Miss Lana will call Star about the colonel? He asked. My stomach fluttered. I hope she already has. 
She hadn't when we got back to the cafe at 11.30. She still hadn't when Deputy Marla dropped in for lunch at 12.15. The Rolling Stones rocked the jukebox and lava lamps graced the tables as Deputy Marla slipped onto a bar stool and glanced at the specials board. Hey, I said, pouring her water. How's your investigation going? Funny you should ask. I just talked to Joe, she said. Your oar is the murder weapon, Mo, but there were no fingerprints. We're following a couple of other leads. She looked around. 1960s diner theme? She guessed it as Miss Lana swished by in a tie-dye blouse and gypsy skirts, the locks of her glossy black share wigs swinging. Cafe circa 1968, I agreed as Dale darted by with a dish of hot apple pie, his hair combed back in a ducktail. Dale went retro. Welcome, I said, standing up straight and draping a napkin over my arm. Today we're featuring the Groovy Chick Trio for four ninety nine. I said. Your choice of fried chicken, chicken pastry, or chicken salad. The first two come with two garden vegetables, okra, cucumbers, potato salad, or turnip greens. The chicken salad comes on pale lettuce slivers with chips or saltines. All dinners come with cheese, biscuits, and tea. May I take your order? Fried chicken, she said, with okra and cucumbers, and sweet tea. How's your case going? I slid her a basket of cheese biscuits. The murder? Actually, I was thinking of your mother, she said. I poured her tea and avoided her eyes. Nothing new. Well, I know how that feels. Hang in there, she said, squinting at the desserts board. That's probably why I like the police force. It gives me a feeling of family. I slid her silverware to her. What do you mean? Is that apple pie homemade, she asked, and I nodded. I'll try it, she said. I just mean I understand what you're going through, Mo. I grew up in a children's home. I know what it's like to wonder. That's just between us, okay? She winked. Put some ice cream on that pie, she said. You only live once, right? And I'd like some of Lana's chicken salad, Miss Retzel said, sliding onto the stool beside her. Dale dropped a plate on the other side of the room. He falls apart around teachers, even if he can't see them. It's like radar with him. Hey, Miss Retzel, I said. What's up? You don't eat here. Not usually, she agreed, cool as sherbet. But I heard Marla was coming by, and I thought I'd surprise her. I'll have an unsweet tea with that chicken salad, please. The lunch crowd swept me away, but as I served lunches and poured tea, I kept my eye on Deputy Marla. No wonder she understood my search for my upstream mother. She had searched, too. She'd understand about the colonel being gone, too, probably. Miss Lana cruised by. Miss Lana, can we talk? After lunch, sugar, she said, ringing up a customer. I'm swamped. I looked up to see Deputy Marla and Miss Retzel heading across the parking lot and made an executive decision. I grabbed the photocopy of Mr. Jesse's final contribution and jotted the C-note serial number on my order pad. Then I jammed the photocopy in my pocket. Hey, I called, rushing outside as Miss Retzel pulled away in her very normal dark blue convertible. Deputy Marla, I want to ask you a hypothetical, I said, skipping to a stop in front of her. One professional to another. Shoot, detective. I ignored the crumbs on her blouse. Even professionals make mistakes. Say somebody was supposed to be home or call last night and he ain't been heard from yet. What would you do? Given the current killer on the loose situation and so forth, hypothetically speaking, she frowned. Mo, is everything all right? Yes, ma'am. I'm totally theoretical on this. Well, she said, I'd probably give him an extra 24 hours. Then I'd call a cop. A friendly one, she said. She pulled out a card Detective Stark could help you, or here's my number at Priscilla's, in case you have more questions, hypothetically speaking. Thanks. Sure, kid. One more thing. I reached into my pocket. I know Stars heard about this, but I got this copy of Mr. Jesse's final contribution with serial number. I thought you might like it. I pay my own way. The Colonel and Miss Lana taught me that.
She went pale, stumbled, and reached behind her for the car. Deputy Marla, are you okay? Must be the heat, she said, shaking her head as she took the paper. I'm fine. Thanks for this, Mo. I believe Joe has got the info, like you say, but it never hurts to have backup. See you, kid. And she got in her patrol car and sped away. That night, as the rain Thess had predicted pattered down, I sat close to Miss Lana on the settee. The colonel's a day late calling, I told her. It's been nearly 24 hours since he should have checked in. I know, she sighed. Every time the phone rang today, I was sure it was him. I pulled Deputy Marla's card out of my pocket. Deputy Marla gave me her number, I said. She's an orphan. She'll help us. An orphan? She said, taking the car. What does that have to do with anything? We could call Star, I said, but I'm pretty sure the colonel wouldn't like it. Star? She took a deep breath. Maybe I'll try Marla first. She strolled to the phone and let her hand rest there. Her eyes closed. Give me a moment to collect my thoughts, she murmured. Just as she opened her eyes, the phone rang. We both jumped. Hello, she said, and then laughed. Colonel, where are you? Relief flooded through me, all that worrying for nothing. Are you okay, she asked. We've been worried sick. She listened for a moment and then flinched. Since when do you call me? Yes, yes, of course. Well, when you broke the three-day rule, I... She glanced at me. No, I'm sure you left before midnight, but yes, she's right here. I started for the phone, but she frowned and shook her head. I will. I'll tell her. Are you sure everything's all right? You don't sound like... Yes, I understand. No, we're fine, she nodded, looking puzzled. Then we'll hear from you by Thursday at the latest. I... Hello? She lowered the phone, looked stunned, looking stunned. That was the colonel, she said, as if I didn't already know. He sends his love. You act like that's bad news, I told her. No, she said, it's good news. Of course it's good news. It was just a strange conversation. Strange? The colonel? That wasn't exactly a news flash. Strange how, I asked. Well, he called me baby for one thing. Baby? He never calls you baby. And he called you Moses for another. Moses? The only time he ever called me Moses was when he named me. I know, she said. She stared at the phone's face like she could read its mind. Well, at least he called and we know he's safe. He'll be back in a few days and then we'll find out what's going on. Right, I said. I hugged her and went to bed, but I slept restless and dreamed thin. My universe didn't fit together. My world spun wobbly like a worn-out top. I woke up once dreaming my old dream, the one where I'm standing in the creek and a bottle bobs by. I shake the message out, my heart pounding, but like always, the words blur before I can read them.